Welcome into Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Casey Phillips here with senior writer and editor Scott Smith. And before we get to anything else, the most important thing to note today, it is Scott's 30th anniversary with the Buccaneers. I didn't know you were going to do that. I know. That's the reason <laughs> I surprised you with it is because I knew you would have all shucked it to where yeah. you wouldn't have wanted me to. But we have to celebrate that. 30 years is in incredible so congratulations i know everybody very much appreciates the work that you have done here for 30 incredible years how does it how does it feel lucky yeah yeah i never would have guessed 30 years ago yeah two super bowls (laughs) in 30 years is not a bad i'll uh, take one every 15 years yeah (laughs) Yeah. if i'll stick around for 15 more years can be promised one more super bowl yeah i think so i think that a lot of the people would promise just one more year (laughs) that's what they'd be going for so i think hopefully in 15 they can make another one all right well next up uh, we were at the owners meetings i know we originally thought we might still be there to do this show but then the schedule got moved all around so we ended up just being there for basically about 24 hours and we got back last night so we are back here but what were some of the things that you felt like the takeaways of either new things that came out of the meetings or people that you got to hear from in terms of press scrums and media i know jason light and joel glazer both spoke so what were some of the standout things for you on the bigger picture i think the biggest topic that everybody was talking about going into the owners meetings that was going to be discussed was the possible rule change about overtime in the postseason. And heading into it, there was a lot of feeling that there was momentum for this. And of course, the momentum really came from that Bills Chiefs game in the playoffs last year. Whenever there's a big rule change like this, it usually comes from people feeling dissatisfied about some game, like when the Rams Saints game led to the brief dalliance with uh, reviewable pass interference. That didn't work out. I think this one is, there was, like I said, there was momentum that it would happen, but they weren't sure they had enough votes. Turns out they did. So the new rule for overtime in the postseason only is that each team is guaranteed a possession. That's it. Yeah. As simple as that. Which I I personally am a very big fan of. I don't know how you feel about this. I think that it has become more fair now. Mm-hmm. Because as, there, as a lot of people pointed out, since the last rule was passed in 2010, even just in the 12 years since then, offense has continued to explode. So you can have the person say, hey, if you don't like it with the one possession and the sudden death, then play defense. Right. Well, you know, it's harder to play defense now. And if you look at that Chiefs-Bills um, game in the playoffs last year, whichever team got the ball was probably going to win that game. They'd scored on the previous five possessions. So um, I think I talked over the graphic that was up there for a while, but I was going to point out how since the uh, that rule, the previous rule was made official for the, post- for the regular season in 2012, where it's no longer sudden death unless the team that gets the first possession scores a touchdown. Since that happened, the Bucks have had 10 game, overtime games, and you can see it's kind of been sort of a mixed bag, but only one time did that rule actually help the Buccaneers, and three times they lost when the other team won the coin toss and they scored on the opening possession touchdown. So right now this new rule isn't for the regular season, but maybe that'll come along in a couple of years, and probably the Buccaneers would like it because the old rule didn't, didn't really work out that well for us. Uh, you can see the different outcomes that have happened, including that one game that ended on the pick six. Fifth possession touchdown, too. That That's was the Raiders incredible. game. That yeah. was the Raiders game, and that was one of the games that led to the rule of switching the overtime from 15 minutes down to just 10 mm. because that that overtime period took almost the entire 15 minutes, and I think the Bucks maybe played a Thursday game after that, and yeah, they were just crazy. exhausted. So yeah. that was one of the games that was the impetus for uh, changing it from 15 to 10. Yeah, minutes. and that is such a great point about all the <coughs> rules that have been put into place to help the offense, that they realize they want this to be an offensive game, well then it isn't exactly as even, as you pointed out, of just one possession, that we know that the league has really tried to favor the offense in some ways, and so that does seem like at least we should give both people a chance. Yeah, that Chiefs-Bills game that went into overtime in the playoffs wasn't 
10 to 7. It was 36 to 36 right. because Patrick Mahomes and that offense and Josh Allen and that of offense were putting on a show. Mm -hmm. And like I said, the five possessions combined between the two teams leading up to overtime all ended in scores. So it's pretty easy to believe that whoever won the coin toss, Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, they had a very good chance of scoring a touchdown, which is exactly what happened. And so Josh Allen never saw the field right. after throwing the tying touchdown pass, right. or his last touchdown pass in the game. Well, <laughs> our next uh, topics for the day, we sort of hinted at and, and a little bit talked about last week that uh, Will yeah. Golston and Logan Ryan uh, additions to the team that we said there was going to be a press conference later that day. It had not been official, so we had to <laughs> tap dance around that a little bit. But now, of course, we know they are official. So let's start with Will Golston returning to the team and what you think this means to the organization, to this defense. And and basically, just I, I feel like we should have some Will Golston appreciation time well, for what I he's appreciate him. Yeah, I think Will Golston and the Buccaneers have proven to be a really good fit. And we're talking about a fourth-round pick from 2013, basically heading into his 10th season. That's that's a great career. And I think I threw it out there last year that other than Warren Sapp with 140, Will Golston has started or played in more games for the Buccaneers than any other defensive lineman wow. except Warren Sapp. And he'll pass Warren now that he's coming back. But uh, I looked up some other stats about War uh, Will, and uh, he himself mentioned that he's been, I don't remember the exact words he used, but he's basically been revitalized in Todd Bowles' defense. So Will's been a good role player for us throughout his career. But over the last three years, if you compare that to the three years before Todd Bowles got here, and then the last three years, you might think that since he's getting older, his production would go down. But look at that. In most cases, he's basically had double the production. The sacks are more than doubled. The quarterback hits are more than doubled. He's got more of everything in these past three years in Todd Bowles' defense than he had in the three years prior to that. And he's also not missed a single game when he had missed four in the previous three games. So everything about how he fits in Todd Bowles' defense has been a boon for Will, which in turn has been awesome for the Buccaneers, obviously. Yeah, that's <clears throat> great to hear. And then also Logan Ryan, new addition to the team. We focused so much these last two years on bringing people back. But now there are also a few new additions that I think that the team is very excited about, and yeah. uh, especially after losing Jordan Whitehead in yeah. free agency. So what have you learned from, you know, since Logan Ryan did his um, press debut essentially with yeah. the Buccaneers of what you think the team wants from him? Is, you know, is he a rep true replacement for Jordan Whitehead? Could there be some other things he brings to the team that are a mm -hmm. little bit different than what Jordan did? And, and yeah. how do you see that working? Well, first of all, I think... Um, Fans are really going to like Logan Ryan because he was an entertaining guy up there at the table in the press conference, and I hear that's been the way he's been everywhere he's been. So, uh, But in terms of how he fits into the defense, he doesn't really know yet that, what they're going to do with him. But I think it'll probably be kind of a versatile role. I don't think it's a one-for-one -one replacement with uh, Jordan Whitehead, but he could factor in safety. He could factor in somewhat in the slot. He's really a guy that's played all over. And the other thing is he's been very productive. One thing that um, he talked about was he, he really, he's good friends with Rondé Barber, and he's sought Rondé Barber's mentorship in some issues like longevity. But um, he, by the way, he made a big fan of me when he said Rondé Barber should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. The big thing about Rondé's career was the incredible stat lines he put up, you mm -hmm. know, like 47 interceptions and 25 sacks, the only 40-25 guy in, team, in NFL history, that kind of thing. Well, Logan Ryan's production across the board has been pretty impressive since he came into the league in 2013. He has, as you see here, 18 interceptions, 13 sacks, and 14 forced fumbles wow. in that span. Now, nobody else can match that, but it's kind of arbitrary, 18, 13, and 14. Yeah. So I took them all down to 10. And even with only 10 as the number you're trying to, to hit in those three categories, these are the only guys. And you wow. see Levante David up there. Yeah. But that's, 
to be able to fill across the stat line with interceptions, sacks, forced fumbles, and a number of other things that aren't on the screen there, it's just a picture of a very productive player throughout the years. That is incredible. I think that's amazing. All right. Well, we are also going to get to some of your Facebook questions, as always, so you can submit those in the comment section underneath our live video on Facebook. And I know that uh, our first one, um, I, I've seen this. This is so great. So Rick had a two-part two question. Okay. He's, he's making you think there's there's a couple sections of this. Okay. They're, they're both draft-related. Right. Uh, the first one is where we're picking, what are the position groups that you think we have the best chance of getting one of the top guys at that spot? Because I know we talk about the idea of best overall or this and that, but where you're picking, are you getting the first of a position? Are there already three or four guys off the board at that yeah. position? So where we're picking that late in the first round, where are the places that we could get the highest of a yeah, position That's group? a good question. And to, if anybody doesn't know, we're picking 27th which is obviously very late mm -hmm. in, the, in the draft. And honestly, there aren't a lot of positions where you're gonna get the first guy off the board. And if you couple that with positions we'd actually be interested in, probably, um, there's probably only one, and that would be running back. I mean, yeah, you could get the first kicker or punter, but you're not gonna right. get that in the first round. You could get the first tight end almost surely, <clears throat> but I don't think the Bucks would use their first round pick right. on tight end this year. I don't necessarily think that running back is the most likely position, but you could say that the Buccaneers have some need there. Leonard Fournette is back, which is great. Mm -hmm. And then you have Keyshawn Vaughn, but you probably are at least going to add one more guy. And it, it'd be cool if it was a, you know, a dynamic guy that could be somebody that play, you know, plays a bigger role in the future, but could also work in the offense right now. I think running back is the only position probably where the Buccaneers could get the first guy off the board and actually have him be of some use to the team this year. It wouldn't be defensive tackle. It wouldn't be edge rusher. It wouldn't be cornerback. It wouldn't be safety because Kyle Hamilton's probably going to go in the top five. It wouldn't be any of the offensive line positions except maybe center mm -hmm. if Tyler Linderbaum easily considered the best center prospect. But I see him going in the first half of a lot of mock drafts, but I have seen him drop to the near the bottom of the round in a few. So you could possibly get the first center, but we just re-signed Ryan Jensen. So right, yeah. Probably only running back. Okay, and then the <laughs> second part of his question was, which position group do you think drafting there could have the most immediate impact? So when you know the team yeah. is sort of all in on this next year, and now that Tom Brady is back, yeah. so we hear about the idea of need versus best player available. Well, we know the Bucks aren't necessarily in a true need for a ton of places, but yeah. then also even what if the best player available is a quarterback, yeah. but you don't really need that. So the idea instead of who would maybe make the most immediate impact this next year and what position group might that be? Yeah, teams like to say best player available, but usually when it comes down to it, it's best player available at a position you really need. <clears throat> and even last year when probably in the most position the Bucks have ever been since I've been here to actually take the best player available no matter what, they still ended up taking an edge rusher, which was what most people predicted. Mm -hmm. And I think that helps us answer this question too, because I think the most likely positions where you could get a player of need that can make an impact right away are the ones where, yes, you have starters, but you usually work a rotation. Mm. So you could say already that you have starters at the edge in, um, in Shaq Barrett and maybe Joe Tryon Shainka. But you could draft another guy, and he could still get plenty of snaps. Same thing at defensive tackle. You've got Vita Vea, you've got Will Golston, you've got Nacho, Rookie mm -hmm. Nunez Roches. Don't know if Ndamukong Sue is coming back yet. But even if he is, you take a young, dynamic defensive lineman, you can get him in the game. Okay. So I think it's those positions. Like, it wouldn't be inside linebacker because you only play two of those ever, and you're not taking Devin White or, or Levante David off the field. Could be safety, it could be corner, but you do kind of have designated starters at all those positions right now. So to me, it's the positions where you can get a rotation. So it wouldn't be offensive line, it wouldn't be, 
a quarterback, but it could be running back, receiver, defensive line, or edge. Okay. All right. Our next one, uh, this is from Jonathan, and he said, any news on the Gronk re-signing? No, and, um, you know, it's kind of feels like we're in a little bit of a holding pattern, mm -hmm. right? But he's made some hints. Uh, Jason Light was asked about that on Monday at the at the uh, owners' meetings, and he didn't really have any new information for us. So I think the Buccaneers are the ones that are waiting Yeah. for, for Rob to decide whether he really wants to come back or not. Okay. Um, and then Willie wanted to know, are we still going to be after – oh, I don't know why I didn't send. He said, are we still after a great cornerback in the draft? Could be. Could be. And uh, it could come down a little bit to how – it's kind of related to the questions you were just asking me, how they fall, you know, because I think – there's probably, and I am not privy to our exact cornerback boards, but there's probably areas where, you know, you got tiers. You got We would spend a first-round pick on these five guys, but after this it falls off a little bit, that kind of thing. So would we do that in the first round? Probably depends on how much of a run there is on it. But I do think cornerback is very much a possibility, and I'm not even going to try out my usual line here about, okay, I guess I just did, <laughs> about how you can never have never enough have cornerback. Too many. To, never but have just too keep many. in mind that both, we got Carlton back, but both Sean Murphy Bunting and Jamel Dean are due to become unrestricted free agents next year. And no matter how much you like them, we really love Jordan Whitehead, but we weren't able to keep him. So it's a possibility that one or both could leave, and then having another cornerback that you just drafted the year before would be a very nice thing to have. So I do think cornerback is very much in play for the Buccaneers. As much as obviously your career has worked out at the Buccaneers for 30 years, I think you should have been an agent for a cornerback. Course, yes. That's just only, That's you only represent <laughs> cornerbacks. All right, our next one is from Jose, and he said, who could be a backup to Lenny at running back? It's probably, at this point, it's obviously Keyshawn Vaughn. Um, the only other ones that we have on the roster right now are Keyshawn and Kenyon Barner, and Kenyon's mostly been a kick returner. Um, and I think the Buccaneers think that Keyshawn is ready to be a backup. I mean, the backup for uh, Leonard last year was Ronald Jones. And Ronald Jones obviously is a good runner, and Coach would say that about him all the time. He signed with the Chiefs, by the way. Um, but he wasn't a guy that is necessarily trusted most of the time in his career to be the pass protection guy. He wasn't a guy that gave you a ton in the passing game. So it's not like that there's a huge bar that Keyshawn Vaughn's trying to clear here. And is he a dynamic runner? And Coach Aaron says that about him all the time. He's like, there's no question that he's a good runner. We, we very much like his running ability. They just want to see the rest of his game develop. So if Ronald Jones could be your primary backup to Leonard last year, there's no reason Keyshawn can't fill the same role. All right, well, that is going to do it for us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. And again, after this, we're going to be recording a road to the draft. So you have more draft questions. Make sure you check out that video. We'll be talking that every single week of all the different things affecting who the Buccaneers might draft. So stay tuned for that. And we'll be back here next week.